The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I write for IGN. I write for TV Guide now. Woo! Because uh, everybody's grandparents still need to read something. <laughs> I kid TV Guide. It's still relevant. They're a website. No, it's very exciting uh, for it. I'm very, very And happy. And uh, we got two Cancel Too Soons this week. That's right, because it's- it is Ghastly Tilda! <laughs> Actually, we're just playing catch-up from last week. Yeah. Uh, we, we've been shifting over to new uh, networks. We've been trying to sort of beef up our, our output, and that's led to some scheduling snafus. Well, we're still getting used to the new, you know, getting together at different times, doing different amount of shows, yeah. and uh, fitting in, watching all these programs we have to watch in order to make these podcasts. There have been some growing pains, but, you know, we put out an episode about Mockingbird Lane a couple days ago. It's an interesting attempt to reboot the Munsters from the producer of Hannibal. And uh, now we can finally get back to the show we were supposed to do last week, (laughs) uh, which is a very well-received, very popular, everyone's kind of surprised they never went through a second series, adaptation of a classic horror novel. Well, novella, technically. Well, technically, yes. Uh, It is, of course, uh, based off of The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by one Robert Louis Stevenson, who is most famous for writing adventure novels like Treasure Island and Mm -hmm. Kidnapped. And, but he did one horror thing that uh, apparently was literally based off of nightmares that he had, and he just had uh, to get it out onto the page, and so he did. And he exercised the demons. And that's one of the most famous horror stories ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been argued uh, by a lot of people. Stephen King has written about it in some of his nonfiction books about the horror genre. That in the horror genre, there are really only three kinds of stories. Uh, there is the vampire story, the evil without, the Uh-oh. outsider that comes in and tries to kill us. Uh, there's the Frankenstein story, the evil we create. Uh-oh. And then there's the evil within, which I always thought of as a werewolf story, but he argues that it's Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, well, and that, that goes to a, a lot of storytelling professors like to boil down storytelling into like th- like three really simple formulas. Uh, and that's not just the horror genre, it's storytelling in general, and yep. I've heard it said as uh, man versus God, man versus man, and man versus self. Um, I hate those kind of reductions. Yeah. I think it robs storytelling of all of its rather vital nuance. I, I think uh, there are perhaps myriad types of stories. Sure, of course. But when you're just trying to but, think about but, like um, where, does, where does the evil come from? Where does um, the horror come from? What kind of story is this? Are you afraid of yourself? Are you afraid of something outside of yourself? Or are you afraid of something you've done? Yeah. 
that's a pretty general way to categorize. Mm. And I'm fine with categorization. I'm happy to apply genre labels because I think genre studies mm. are fascinating. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there's a common misunderstanding about genre that a movie or a TV show book can only be in one genre. That is not true. Mm. Lots of movies apply to different genres or subgenres. But with genre comes expectation. Mm. And as a result, we see a lot of these classic horror stories retold over and over again and we kind of know where they're going mm -hmm. because we've seen a dozen Dracula movies we've seen a dozen Frankenstein movies we've seen quite a few Jekyll and Hyde's although it had been a while by the time this BBC series came along in the late 2000s since we'd had a prominent one I think the most prominent mm -hmm. one we'd had in decades was probably Mary Riley starring John Malkovich and Julia yeah. Roberts. And even that one was kind of a bomb. And, and that, one, that one was like the late 90s. It was like 96 that movie came out. Yeah. There was a Jekyll and Hyde musical uh, that was sort of getting a lot of traction. Um, I think that one also debuted in the 90s, but I remember in, in like the early to mid 2000s it was getting a lot of play. Well, unless we not forget the comedy classic Dr. Jekyll and Ms. Hyde. Oh, with Sean Young. Sean Young and Tim Daly and Tim, from Wings. Uh, hey, remember Tim Daly? <laughs> yeah, he was briefly Tim Daly. Uh, he was Superman until they got George Newbern instead. You know who plays like the, the sniveling assistant in that movie? I don't remember actually. Oh, was, it, oh, it's, it's uh, uh oh, oh, Jeremy Piven. It was, it was Jeremy Piven. Yeah, back when he was funny and had didn't have hair. Yeah, back before we knew all about Jeremy Piven. Um, so, uh, but the story never went away. It's mm. iconic for a reason, and when something is iconic, it's only a matter of time before someone tries to do something with it, and only a matter of time before someone tries to do something kind of classy with it. So, uh, they decided to do a BBC mm. series, and it was six episodes originally. Yeah, uh, with the intention to make more it ends on a cliffhanger yeah uh but for whatever reason even though it was reasonably popular and the critics received it very very well we never got any more of jekyll he's due at midnight he's usually punctual digital recorder runs for 24 hours gps keeps a track of his movements the dictaphone it's how we communicate <gasps> what's wrong he's coming you said violent episodes. Yes. What if he hurts someone? If he's as bad as you say? He is. Good luck, Miss Ryman. Good night, Dr. Jackman. This is Jekyll. Yeah, as we learn late in the series of Jekyll, uh, the original pronunciation of Jekyll was Jekyll. Which uh, makes it sound uh, a little silly, doesn't Do it? Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Well, I mean, we're used... Jekyll sounds kind of fun. It sounds like Jackal. I, I'm, Jekyll sounds like the bad guy. Yeah. Dr. Henry Jekyll is is sort of the, the innocent doctor. Now, the original novella is about Dr. Henry Jekyll. He's uh, a, a chemist of some sort. I, I don't actually remember his exact field I, of study. I, I've read it. He, he has invented a potion. Yeah, it's, that it's a serum that he can drink. And he's, it's designed to remove the evils from the human spirit. Yeah, human mind. sort of like the, the dark impulses. Of course, what it does instead is not only amplify them, but physically transform him. And in Jekyll and Hyde stories, uh, Jekyll and Hyde are traditionally played by the same actor. Yeah. Um, Mary Riley, that's sort of a giveaway. The whole uh, element of suspense in Mary Riley is she can't tell who these two different people are, but they're both played by John Malkovich, one of the most distinctive looking actors imaginable. <laughs> uh, sometimes there's a lot of like makeup effects to make uh, yeah. Mr. Hyde look extra yeah. creepy. But 
in in the original story, they looks they're they look like two completely different people. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Hyde, I believe, is like uh, like a foot and a half shorter than Henry Jekyll, and he's got like dark hair, and he's kind of slumped over. Like they have completely like different he's physiques. Physically they're, repulsive is the idea, and, like, and yeah. their their faces are completely different. He's yeah. he's transformed his own body, yes, but he doesn't look the same. And I don't think I've ever seen a Jekyll and Hyde where they're played by two different actors. Which I think would be a much more appropriate approach. I know Doctor Jekyll and Ms. Hyde. Oh well, th- there's that one. <laughs> of course, Tim Daly turned into Sean Young. Fine, <laughs> got one. And uh, in uh, uh, what you call it, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. there's a Jekyll and Hyde character, and he turns into a CGI Hulk. Yeah. That, in that one, Mr. Hyde is essentially the Hulk. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the Hulk is a Jekyll and Hyde story anyway. It so. absolutely is, 100%. So they're, they're flagrantly so. In yeah. <laughs> if you combine Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the amazing Colossal Man, which did come out before the Hulk, mm. you get the Hulk. You get the Hulk, yeah. yeah. The, the Hulk is a Jekyll and Hyde story. Um, but, uh, yeah, and of course, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was... It was a popular book. It was a big deal. Um, It kind of brutally satirized a lot of social ideas Mm. at the time about morality and Mm. um, also medicine as well. And um, yeah, it lingered because it's it's a clean concept. You take a potion, you become someone else, and that person is dangerous. That person is someone whose actions you would be ashamed of or feel guilty about. Mm. Um, and it also represents the fact that a lot of us do feel a little bifurcated. That there's that a are, version are, are, of us that does things that we're mm. not proud of. Mm-hmm. Like that one one who goes out and parties and then the next morning you're like, why would I, I why mm. did I do that? I knew he shouldn't well, have done that. And that, that all stems actually from a lot of Eastern mysticism. That there are multiple selves and that your multiple selves are in, in conflict or in cooperation with one another. Yeah. And there's and the highest self is the one that just observes them all, and that of course is the the one you aspire to be. Yeah. Um, in any case, it's a really great setup. There've been a lot of excellent movies and adaptations of it. Um, last year, when we uh, did an anthology series called Nightmare Classics, one of the best examples was an episode about Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde with a really good performance. So. Yeah. Right. And I, I liked uh, the Nightmare Classics version because it's a British story. So what passes for bad behavior in a 19th century British novella is he's a little bit of a Lothario. Yeah. Now, I understand they, they also can't, because of you know, censorship at the time, they can't write something just brazenly explicit. Yeah. Can't, like, you know, like chewing people's arms off in that kind of story. No. At least not if they wanted to hit a mainstream audience. The, the horror in that but... one is that isn't so much what he did, although there is a really terrible terrifying home mm. invasion sequence um it's it's that he has become a sociopath yeah that part is the, scary the pe- people he doesn't care anymore about what laws say yeah um uh, this version is uh, much more lurid uh, <laughs> james nesbitt who's kind of a scary actor anyway he plays monsters pretty well i saw mm. him in a really good film called five minutes and i think it's called five minutes in heaven five minutes of one. heaven another one um it was a a little indie f- a british indie film with uh Liam Neeson. Okay. And it was about uh, how he wanted to take a revenge killing. Oh, interesting. And uh, how, like, revenge killing. It's like, well, you kill this guy, you get your revenge killing, you'll just go to prison. It's like, yeah, but I'll have five minutes of heaven oh, getting my that's revenge. Dark. Yeah. That's dark. Uh, he's, he's also very well known for um, playing one of the dwarves in the Hobbit trilogy from Peter Jackson. Oh, okay. A lot of people recognize him from that. Yeah. He's an excellent actor. I really, really like him in this mm. series. 
Um, Jekyll and Hyde is, of course, a gift to any actor because you get to play two wildly different characters. And although ultimately, after revisiting this, because I actually watched this one when it came out, Mm. um, I'm way harsher on this series than I used to be. I used to be (laughs) such a fan. The second half of the series gets so stupid. (laughs) I don't know why I ever liked it in some respects. (laughs) We'll talk about it in detail because they make some very stupid decisions later on. But he is really excellent at He's excellent. He's really good at playing. Uh, He's not Henry Jekyll. Now his name is Jackman. Yeah, Tom Jackman. Tom Jackman. And uh, at the start of the series, he's already trying to get a handle on Hyde. Yeah. And in the opening scenes, we see him trying to prepare for when Hyde will come. Like, you could strap me into a chair. I'm going to turn into a monster. Uh, he has a, a digital recorder that's constantly recording so he can keep track of his movements because his memory goes when he turns into Hyde. Yeah, he can't remember what Hyde does uh, and vice versa. And so then he he's to talk to even each other. hired a secret handler uh, played by the bionic woman. Michelle, uh, Michelle Ryan. Michelle Ryan, who was the bionic woman in the series we covered on Cancel Too Soon. Uh I like Michelle Ryan a lot, and not just because she's really beautiful. Uh, <laughs> she, no, she's, uh, she's a she's, really great actor, and mm. she's got a lot of presence, and the show, sadly, mm. starts off really well with her, and she gets to like have great scenes with Jekyll but, uh, and Hyde. and mm. Kind of chemistry with the two of them and their relationship with James Nesbitt in both forms. And then by, by about episode three, the show just can't think of anything yeah, else she, to do she with become, her. Well, too many elements come into play that, yeah, she becomes just sort of this vague supporting player. Um, in that first episode, again, mm. we're, we're starting in Medius Res. So we know that he's basically Dr. Jekyll. We know that he basically turns into Mr. Hyde. Mm. And it's interesting to see how uh, they are tackling the dilemma of having that personality in the present day with all these modern tricks and GPS mm. locators so you can know where Hyde has been. And um, all that stuff's kind of interesting and clever. I do like the bit where Hyde never tells him where he put the car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's always stranded wherever well, he wakes up. And whenever Jekyll wakes up, like he's in an alleyway or something, whatever, you know, covered in booze and some blood, it's like, oh, what the hell happened? And and he gets really annoyed. It's like, and can you at least tell me where you're parked? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and again, we're just sort of picking along. And one thing we discover very quickly is that Jekyll is married, mm-hmm. uh, and Hyde doesn't know it. Yeah. Jekyll always hides his wedding ring before he transforms into Hyde. He he also hasn't called him Hyde. They just refer to that presence as him. Yeah. In fact, one of the first plot points is uh, Michelle Ryan Hmm. says he wants a name. Yeah. Well, tell him you can have one. I don't think he was asking permission. Tell him he has permission. What do you want from me? What? (laughs) You have a name. It's fine. But uh, his his wife is played by uh, Gina Bellman. She plays Claire, his wife. And... um, She's uh, probably best known for uh, co-starring on the BBC comedy Coupling, but also uh, the TNT crime series Leverage. Yeah. Um, also, uh, real, real fast, we didn't mention it yet. Mm. Uh, the series was written by Stephen Moffat, who mm. would go on. Who would he'd already done a bunch of Doctor Who. He would go on to produce Doctor Who for quite a few years, um, and uh, then he would go on to create the very similar modern update of Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock. Uh I know a lot of Whovians. Yeah. I know a lot of Whovians. Yeah. And Stephen Moffat is a contentious figure in the Whovian world. There's some people who really appreciate how he kind of, what he did with the series to make it more popular and make it a lot broader and more accessible, kind of changed it into what the modern version was. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people hate his writing and his contrived plots. Well, here's what happened with Stephen Moffat. When they initially rebooted Doctor Who, and really it's a sequel to the original series, it's all canon. 
Uh, but they brought it back after a long hiatus. Mm. Uh, Stephen Moffat was one of the writers, and for mm. the first few seasons, he actually wrote a lot of the best episodes of Doctor Who. He wrote that classic episode Blink with the uh, the 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 angels. Oh, the, that, the, but they, yeah. they couldn't afford monsters, so they just had statues and said, "No, no, they're they're really moving, but only when you're not looking at them." It's actually really it's, good. It's, it's a stupid idea. It's great. Episode. Yeah, it's a cheap idea, but they actually filmed it really well. Yeah. So he wrote some of the best episodes of that show, and mm. so when Russell T Davies, the uh, mm. producer throughout the whole David Tennant saga, uh, left, they put Stephen Moffat in charge of the series. It mm. made sense. And for a bit, it was fine. I actually really mm. like a lot of the Matt Smith episodes. Mm. But after a while, you started to realize that Stephen Moffat... Oh, he only has so many tricks in his bag. He, 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 and they're good tricks sometimes. Yeah. He's good at like introducing elements of dialogue and mm. narrative that come to play in unexpected ways later. Yeah. Often in a very punchy turn of phrase, which Jekyll overdoes in every single scene. <laughs> um, he also really doesn't write women very well. Yeah. They're, they're, they're quip machines as much as any other character But I don't think he actually under- I was watching this with my wife And she was rolling her eyes every single time a woman died <laughs> It's just, it just They're all well, there's- they're all fawning over Jekyll. He becomes like this fan service character. Yeah. And, and they're, they're all really sassy. There's this like sassy lesbian couple of spies. And the only thing, the only reason I want to see a series this, about them without Jekyll because they they seem interesting, but yeah, they're just. But also, the only like knowledge he seems to have about lesbians is that every once in a while they'll announce, We're lesbians. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> like, he really doesn't. Get it in any way, and the way, and we'll talk about the very convoluted plot of Jekyll in a minute. Uh, but the so way, convoluted. The way that Jekyll's wife is handled in mm. this film, in this uh, series, mm. goes from okay to fucking terrible, <laughs> and like, re- like the second half is embarrassing. Nah. Uh, Real Professor aired on the BBC from June sixteenth through July twenty eighth, two thousand and seven. Mm. Um, so again, we're back in the pilot. We're introducing ourselves to. Jackman, we're just going to call him Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, Hyde is eventually made aware that there's a book called Jekyll and Hyde. It's a little odd that they have to be introduced to the notion of the mo- one of the most famous novellas ever written, especially in England. Yeah, well, here's the deal, because they're, they're, they're in a tricky position, uh-huh. because they could have said the book had never been written. Yeah, this is this the first time pl- ever took place in a universe where there's no Jekyll like, and Hyde. Like in Sherlock Holmes. Mm. There was no Sherlock Holmes in 1890. The mm. new Sherlock, he's the first Sherlock. Mm. It's How- something I appreciate about the film Logan. Mm. It takes place in a universe where there were X-Men comics. Yeah. It just happened to be about real people in that universe. That's fun. Um, and here, the idea is our hero, Jackman uh. Jekyll, he has been looking for some sort of historical precedent for what he's been going through, but he's been looking through scientific journals. And when he runs into these private detectives who were hired by his wife to track him down because she thought all his mysterious behavior meant he was having an affair. Mm. But in actuality, they found out he was turning into another person and they didn't And also tell- having an affair. And, well, yeah. Uh, but with, multiple affairs. With yeah. multiple sex workers and things. But uh, they didn't tell the wife that stuff because they knew this guy's fucking dangerous and we need to get out of this situation. Yeah. But he tracks him down, he asked them, and they said, no, no, you're, it's, you're, you're a descendant of Dr. Jekyll. There's an actual Dr. Jekyll. Okay, and he, and this, he says, it occurred to me, but it seems stupid. Because it is stupid. Okay. <laughs> it's not just that Robert Louis Stevenson wrote a book called The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And, uh, and it was published, and that was the story, and here he is doing the real thing from the fictional story. It turns out, and we actually get to see these in flashbacks in, like, episode four... Robert Louis Stevenson knew the real Dr. Jekyll who was actually doing that, and he changed some things around, kept the names, but changed a few of the details around 
of a real story that had actually happened to Dr. Henry Jekyll, the real Dr. Henry Jekyll, yeah. who's also played by James Nesbitt, of course. Well, I'm fine with that. I don't yeah. care about that. Um, and actually, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson is played by Mark Gaddis, who would go on to co-write and co-produce Sherlock and play, oh, okay. and play Mycroft Holmes. In that oh no, kidding! Okay, yeah, so nice. yeah, I haven't seen that show long. Bit of so. a bit of a preface to a more popular show that went on later. This is a terrible idea. First of all, that Jekyll and Hyde is a real story. I hate that crap. <laughs> like, what what was the name of that one Frankenstein? It's like Frankenstein is real and he's hiding out. Like the Frankenstein's monster is actually real. And it was hiding out in the Arctic, and it was called, like, the Frankenstein Files or something. The Frankenstein Chronicles. Frankenstein Chronicles. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Look, it's what happens when you want to do a modern version of something. You have to decide yourself, is this an alternate reality where that mm. book was never written? Mm. Which would change a lot. Yeah. Like, if Frankenstein had never been written, all of fiction might be different. Yeah. Like, it's a real would, lodestone and the mm. cornerstone of, uh, mm. of art. I, I would, in the last 200 years. I would love to see somebody who really thought that out. Yeah. Like, we're going to set Frankenstein in 2019, in 2020, and it's... But it takes place It takes place in 2020. Somebody's going to try this for the first time, and they've never heard of Mary Shelley. Let's yeah. say Mary Shelley had never been born. How would history look? And it would set it in a present, an alternate present, where there was no Mary Shelley. There's no, like, horror stories would look a lot different. Libra- you know, yeah. Certain kinds of fiction would sort of evolve in a different way. Talk to a lot of literary professors and try to figure out what the state of literature and what the world as at large would look like without Mary Shelley. And then start making a Frankenstein story. But here's the thing. You're getting into some of this weird meta area. And I think that's fascinating, too. Do not get me wrong. Mm. But it's not why we're here. We're here just to yeah. tell Frankenstein again. We're here to tell Jekyll and Hyde again. They actually do that a little bit, weirdly enough, in the sequel to Zombieland. Oh, okay. Um, where the idea of the sequel... I'm not going to spoil it. There's a couple of jokes. Um, mm. The sequel to Zombieland is you know, the sequel to a post-apocalyptic zombie movie. But that oh. movie came out ten years ago. Um. Which means the zombie apocalypse happened around 2008-2009. The new, new, the new movie takes place in 2019. Uh. And a whole lot of stuff didn't happen because of the zombie apocalypse. Right. So, like, there's a scene where someone's talking about this. Before the zombie apocalypse, my dream was to reinvent the taxi service by having it be you call up strangers on your phone and they just come <laughs> pick you up. And everyone's like... So they'll murder you. Mm. No, they won't murder you because we have a star system. <laughs> and they're like, that's the stupidest idea mm. ever. Mm. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a, joke. Uh, yeah, it's a joke. But they thought it out and I appreciated mm. it. Um, anyway, here they had a tricky position. Mm. Either pretend Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde never existed, which is somewhat implausible, or pretend it did and weave it into the plot. I think they were damned if they did and damned if they don't. Yeah. They picked a really contrived way of going about it and the series only gets more contrived as it goes along the first three episodes of jekyll mm. i will contend are pretty damn good yes i agree There's, um, they're not getting so wrapped up in the mythology and the science well, of it also it's him living as dr jekyll and mr hyde and, and we're trying yeah we're still figuring out the mechanics of it i'm glad there's no origin story we know what's going to happen he's going to make the the, the serum well, he doesn't um, actually. Well, he, he he's inherited it, it. As it turns out, no, it's, it's just something that's trait. that's in his genes. But yeah, that he already. We don't need to see how he got that way. We know it's yeah. called Jekyll, for goodness' sake. Yeah, we're just dashing mm. right into it. It's mm. still early on, and we're he doesn't know that yeah. he's high um, or whatever like that. But we're it's so we skipped the first bit, and we're establishing the rules of this universe: who these characters are, what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, the the exact nature of what Hyde is, and here's a little a curious choice they made. Jekyll and Hyde look identical. 
Mm. Uh, they try to say like his arms get a little hairier, mm. his his hairline creeps forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hyde is about two uh, inches taller, a, a little a, thinner, a, a little taller, a little thinner, but he still looks exactly like James Nesbitt. Yeah, you wouldn't mistake the two of them. And in you fact, would think, you would think he might have had a makeover, but that's yeah, about it. And, and there's actually a really wonderful scene, and I love this scene where uh, James Nesbitt as Hyde mm-hmm. goes to visit Jackman's wife, and she says, "Oh, it's good, you're home," and kind of looks at him for a second. Oh, I realized like you might be a twin or something. Are you related to my yeah, husband? You look a you look almost exactly like like she actually notices that there are a few little differences. Yeah. So I do like that that they look really really similar. Yeah. And there's not any of those really annoying things where uh, they look identical, but you have to suspend your disbelief to yeah. for the characters like they don't really recognize one another. And to his, to his credit, Nesbitt is playing both characters very, very differently. Jackman isn't like a shrinking wallflower type, but he's mild mannered. Mm. He's a little he's a little um uh neurotic. Um and J- Hyde is confident and kind of jokerish in his anarchic spirit. Mm. One idea that they have for Hyde, and there's another idea that they have for Hyde which I think is fucking stupid. <laughs> But an early idea that they introduce about Hyde uh-huh. is that he he isn't evil. Mm. He's a child. He's a child whose yeah. body is basically a loaded gun mm. because he is extremely strong. He's extremely fast. We find out he has other weird abilities, like he can feel things in his blood, like if he's been drugged. Mm. Um, he can climb sheer walls with his bare hands. It doesn't really come into play, but it's a it's a cool image. Um, he's got other abilities as well. He's kind of a Superman, mm. but he has no emotional maturity. Yeah, and he just does whatever. And he's a bit of a sociopath. Um, and so he just there's no filter on him. And they talk about it. It's like, well, why doesn't he kill people? And Jackman just says because he knows if he did, I would turn myself in. Yeah. So that's the rule. We know that there's gonna there's a line that Hyde isn't gonna cross. Because he get caught, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to get caught. But he's he he's seen as you said loaded gun. He's he's a murder machine. Oh yeah, he's built for it. It's not like he's a kung fu expert, mm-hmm. but he's so monstrously savage that he like even uh, like an armed marine can't hold off against this guy. Yeah, he's fast and, and he's deadly. And also, he might be part lion. I don't think he's part lion. I think <laughs> well, he associates with lions. He associates with lions. They have these sort of beastly images, and they usually put like a filter on it. But there are a few shots of him with monster teeth. Yeah, he and I don't. I don't think teeth. he actually has monster teeth. I think that's like metaphorical monster teeth. That's hard to say, really. Mm. Um, so over the course of the first episode, uh, Jackman discovers that he is indeed he looks just like Henry Jekyll did mm. in real life. Um, and, uh, and he, he, Hyde finds out about the family, he visits the family, and you think he's gonna kill them, but it turns out he's like, no, they're my family. Yeah. I'm not gonna kill them. <laughs> I might threaten them to mm. get what I want from you, but I'm not actually going to kill them. I, they're, they're what I've got. <laughs> he enjoys them. Um, which is a nice little wrinkle. I uh-huh. kind of like that. Um, they are sharing a life, after all. Mm. Um... And meanwhile, there is a shadowy government agency of some sort. Yeah. An MI5, uh, led by... Who's the actor who leads him? Oh, uh, hold the, on. The, I, the, I forget the, his name. Yeah. Hang on. The, the, um, the, uh, Dennis the, Lawson. The really, the really oh, smarmy Den- guy. Dennis Lawson, Wedge from Star Wars. Oh, he, he was... Wedge Antilles. 
Was he? Yeah, he's like the only like he's a minor character, but he's like the only guy who's in all three battles in the original Star Wars trilogy. I, I, I wasn't returning to hi- referring to him though. I was referring oh. to the guy on the ground, the um, like the agent. Oh, that guy. Sorry, uh, Pat- Patterson Joseph is the character's name, and I've yeah. I've seen him around. He's he was just, in uh, uh, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. Yeah, he was he was in uh, Eon Flux. You know, he's he's been around. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the agent on the ground who is trying to round up Hyde, and he confronts Hyde and not Jekyll, just Hyde uh, when he's in Hyde form, if if I recall. Yeah, you're right. And um, I'm not correcting you. You're good. And he's also sneaking around Jekyll, trying to do things to get Hyde to come out. So there's an episode where he essentially throws Jekyll Jackman's son into a lion's pit. It's like, well, surely you'll turn into a monster and save your son, which, and he does, and he eats a lion. <laughs> yeah, he eats a lion, and then he throws the lion, like, a, a whole block, yeah. so it lands on their creepy black van. <laughs> that bit's fun. That's pretty fun. That's a good bet. And uh, the reason they're stalking Hyde is, I guess they want a super soldier. It's not that they want to, they actually never say super soldier. They don't, they don't. but that's They specifically that, that's say I'm, they think he can cure cancer. Oh, because that's true. They th- he's the next he step can... in human evolution. He heals so quickly. He's so strong. He's so yeah. fast that if we can isolate the the way his body works, we could potentially cure every disease. They they say it's. I mean, obviously they're doing evil things to get it. Yeah. But they sit. They're not out there to build super soldiers. I do appreciate that they didn't okay. go super soldier. They didn't actually say super soldier. That was just super my soldiers assumption. Never work. It's just my assumption because that's always the the motivation here. Um, and because they say here we're, we're, we want to do this to cure cancer, but they're doing it in this really shadowy way. So, you know, that's just obfuscation. Probably. And, but and we never turns, hear about any other ideas. of it. And it turns out that there's actually a much more personal connection going on with that shadowy organization, which we'll find out about later. Yeah. Um, by the end of the third episode, again, all the first three episodes, pretty solid. The mm. conspiracy thing doesn't overwhelm you. Yeah. There's, uh, people would be interested. If there was an actual Dr. Jekyll and yeah. Mr. Hyde. I buy that. I'm fine with that. Mm. They haven't completely taken over the plot like they do in the last three episodes. Um, we see Jekyll and Hyde uh, battle it out over their family. And I like how uh, Hyde likes to torture Jekyll by, like, burning himself so that <laughs> Jackman wakes up with a scar. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> Where did this come from? Like, what do you want? To, he goes into a bar. What do you want to drink? Whatever will give me the worst hangover. <laughs> There's a bit where Michelle Ryan is talking about, he's talking to Hyde, mm. and he's like, I keep talking to Jackman. He keeps wondering why he's so angry and ornery all the time. He doesn't know he's permanently on four hours sleep and a hangover. Mm. And I was like, four hours? That lucky man! <laughs> we, we're uh, we're we writers. for four hours. We're, we're writers and critics, and um, we're up late a lot. <laughs> I have a night job. And a four-year-old. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck you do it. Sleep, sleep is a glorious luxury. <laughs> um, and in any case, uh, which th- it all builds to the second half in which uh, Jackman's wife is kidnapped. Uh, they have mm. to go rescue her. There's a mysterious lady who claims to be uh, Jackman's real mom. But here's the thing. Jekyll had no descendants. Mm. So they don't know how the hell that happened. And the private detectives who Jekyll hired to keep tabs on this mysterious organization and tell him what's going on. They are fun. Mm. Um, in fact, let's, let's, let's give a shout-out to the actors here. Um, I lost my page. <laughs> okay. Uh, is it uh, Mira Sayal and um, 
No, not the wrong actor here. <laughs> Mira Sayal is one of them, anyway. Mira Sayal is one of them, mm. and then there's the other... I think, is it Linda Marlowe? I think it's Fenella Wooger. No. Okay. Uh, whoever whoever played um, Agatha Christie in Doctor Who. That's right. That's who she is. And yeah. she, I love that episode of Doctor Who. Mm. That's a really good and, one. And she's really great. She's, she she has a lot of presence. She's really funny. She, her, her role is very small, but she commands a lot. In any case, they, they kidnap people, and they bring them in, and then uh, our private detectives come in, and they lay out the whole plot. And here's what we figured out. You have a secret <sighs> organization. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes this entire thing. <laughs> and then they fix it, and then they ruin it again. I was like, we found out that uh, your secret organization has existed since uh, the age of Dr. Jekyll, and you've been trying to figure out how he made his magical potion. And uh, in the 1960s, you figured out how to clone people, and you've been trying to clone him ever since, and that's why he's an exact genetic duplicate. He's a clone. And they're just like, no, that's not it. That's stupid. And then they walk out. And I'm like, oh, thank God, that would be stupid. Mm. Two episodes later, we find out that's true. There's only one thing about it that's wrong. (laughs) There's yeah. actually a whole room full of, like, an alien resurrection, yeah. a whole room full of failed Jekyll clones. Oh, God. But that's not the twist. See, the thing is, is that they don't know where this Jekyll came from. They have been cloning him, but the one we got is an accident. Mm. Because Jekyll didn't have any descendants, but Hyde did. Hyde had sex with everybody, mm. and he has a ton of descendants all over the world. And here is one of the most fucked up things this series does. Because what they say is, yes, if you've heard about people with schizophrenia or Siamese twins is the word they use, or conjoined twins, Mm. uh, those are all descendants of Hyde. And I'm like, that is some ableist bullshit. It really is. If you Uh, have any mental or physical disability, you are a descendant of the devil? That's your plot? Yeah, you you have in you Jekyll and Hyde juice. As if the- Fuck you! As if those things started in Robert Louis Stevenson's era. Right. But yeah, it's it's also a way to really cheapen- uh, mental illness or conjoined twins and yeah, or any sort of ta- physical ta- ta- talk down know. and condescend um it's so fucked up. i was reminded of actually of neverwhere did you ever uh see or read the neil gaiman yeah uh, co-starred yeah. that guy uh, uh who's in this who's in yeah this? who plays yeah. the cop in this yeah. um He's not the cop. He's uh, uh like a mercenary or whatever but. Uh, yeah. enforcer type character yeah. um neverwhere <laughs> says that um well, it turns out that all of uh, all of the wizards that live in the world disguise themselves as homeless people. Yeah. And the reason you don't pay attention to homeless people is because there's a spell on them uh-huh. forcing the affluent to look away. It's like disguise. Nothing to do with classism at all. <laughs> yeah, naturally we would naturally, care. Yeah. Uh, we, the, re- the reason you don't care about homeless people is because there's a spell on you. Okay, listen. Fuck you, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman's Jeez, normally that is a on terrible, the... terrible thing you just wrote. That's what happens when you start trying to like come up with like logical solutions for mythology. Uh-huh. Okay, I get why that works logically and how you keep wizards alive in the real world, <laughs> but thematically, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, and you really should have thought about that. A yeah, more. I, I I thought of that too. It's like, no, it turns out if if, if you're Suffering from schizophrenia, that's not a, a mental malady that we can, like, actually treat. Yeah. That's, no, it, that's, that's Mr. Hyde. That's your Mr. Hyde legacy. Now, fuck you. There might be a young, some, young someone who is suffering from schizophrenia who might see that and think, wow, cool, for a second yeah, before that's... thinking, okay, but that's just fiction. Let's treat this in a real way now. Yeah. Again, I think Stephen Moffat is coming at it from, like, isn't this cool in, like, a sort of fan theory kind of way? Uh, but he loses the humanity of the series the deeper down the rabbit hole he goes of explaining it all. 
Um, mm. What happens is the the evil organization they kidnap Jekyll and they put him basically in the sarcophagus, basically yeah. sarcophagus, and he's claustrophobic. So he goes completely mad. They give him drugs to keep him alert. Mm. He goes completely mad. He loses his mind, and then Hyde yeah. takes over. And they're, and they're they're like great, cool. This is who we want. We wanted they, Hyde. They they let Hyde out, and Hyde now has new psychic superpowers. Yes, where he has one of the most contrived plot powers you've ever heard, the flashback power. His total recall throughout his entire genealogy, so he mm. can go back and visit Doctor Jekyll and see and, what and he, he was and he's, doing. And he's there in the room, kind of looking around. So he's having these hallucinations of everything that happened before, so he can relate it to all of the characters as well. And the thing that he relates, and this is kind. Kind of a neat idea. I'm not going to say this is a terrible one. Mm. Uh, you know, this company has been spent the last hundred years and a billion dollars trying to recreate this formula. Mm. Uh, and he learns in the flashback that the formula was the thing that Stevenson made up. The formula was a <laughs> wild goose chase yeah. so that people would try to figure out how to recreate that formula rather than actually figure out how he turned into Hyde, which the show never explains. <laughs> the show tells you that the real mm. secret, the real reason There's a for hide. all of this... There's a little Hyde in all of us. Uh, is love. <laughs> Hyde is actually Hyde. love. Uh, in fact, you notice how like when you like someone asks Jekyll's wife, like, when was the first time you knew you could murder someone? Uh, and she's like, well, I well, first carried my baby and I knew I would do anything to protect it. Mm. Exactly. Hyde's murderous tendencies are love. What? But but that's the thing. None of what we've seen previous. Like okay, he ate a lion. That was done out of love. That one was out of love. I'll give you that one. Because because he was freaking out about the danger of his son being in danger. None of the, the other transformations just sort of happened. Yeah. Or there's like or one he did out of revenge because they, oh, heard his, they it was, all, wife, it was like, also implied that if he gets too horny, he'll turn into Hyde. Or at least he's afraid that if he gets too horny, he'll turn into Hyde. So he can't make out with his wife. Yeah. Because he'll get too horny. But then the way they express it when he like tells. Jekyll's wife, he's, he's like, uh, yes, you'll, you'll, uh, you make me weak. Mm. That's the, that's the romantic thing. It's played like a romantic thing. Like I am all powerful but that's, and strong. That's, that's the twilight me... thing though. That's yeah. bullshit. That's such a, like, can you imagine if someone told you that you'd mm-hmm. be like, wow, fuck off. Yeah. But... <laughs> that's, that's a terrible thing to tell somebody. You make me weak in the knees. But... Fine. Fine. Re, re, rework your own ideas of your own personal strength, become a better person and come back. There you go. <laughs> so ridiculous. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> on top of that, on top of oh so yeah, God. so they've let so at this point in the series, uh, it's just Hyde. Yeah, like Jekyll is. They then he keeps saying, "Oh no, uh, Jackman is gone. Jackman's gone. He's he's out of my head. I'm just Hyde now." Yeah. Just mm. Chewing the scenery, chewing mm. everything, and James um, Nesbitt loves it. He does it very well. He's great. There's James no, no James Nesbitt does nothing wrong here. He's great. Yeah. Um. And uh, he asks for like thirty minutes alone with Jekyll's wife. It's like, and, and of course he says, "I'll I'll give you all of these secrets you want. You just have to give me thirty like thirty minutes alone with my wife, pres- presumably to do horrendous things to her." And and they go for it. And of course he immediately just says, "I'd never hurt you. Let's go." And he yeah, does, and, like, they, the old, and they escape, which, which is kind of fun. Clever twist. It's a kind of fun, um, but uh, they end up taking the the wife and the uh, they end up taking the kids. Don't they, they take they take the they they lead them to this, what they think is a safe house, but it turns out it's just another branch. And they put the kids and they put in the, the sarcophagi. two kids in like kid sized sarcophagi, which is like why would you build that, you monsters? That's really <laughs> terrifying. That would drive a kid insane. The kids, by the way, are named Harry and Ed, as in Harry Henry Jekyll and Edward Hyde. Get it? It's pretty obvious that where we're going with this. Also. 
Okay, you don't know about Stevenson or Jekyll and Hyde, and yet by coincidence, you name your twin boys uh-huh. Harry and Edward. Okay, you know what? Those now, are Harry not and Edward are, are very common names. Those are not uncommon names. Fair. But it's it's pretty big freaking coincidence. While she is in the, sorry, while she is in this like big mansion of horrors where they've mm. built and they got the kid sarcophagi and everything, mm. uh, she runs into the woman who said she was Jekyll's kind of mom, mm. and she runs into the room full of clones. And she finds out the real secret, which is he's not a clone. He's an accidental genetic duplicate, mm. like Jupiter Ascendant, like a one in a trillion chance. <laughs> he's just born with Jekyll's soul. The twist is she's a clone. She's a clone of Jekyll. Yeah. And she has the Jekyll and Hyde powers. Well, she doesn't turn into Hyde. What happens? Well, she, she has the power to when she meets this new Jekyll. Oh, there's a new Jekyll. Great. Yeah. We need to clone his his girlfriend from 1890. And mm-hmm. so when he meets her, he'll fall in love with her, and that'll turn him into a monster because that's what love and women are. Oh God. Fuck you. Oh wait, that the, she was a clone too. The wife was also a clone? The wife was the only clone. I thought the mom was the clone. No, 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 no. The mom was another accidental descendant, and then when we find out Oh is, gosh, I got it all mixed up. <laughs> yeah, and then we find out at the very end oh. that uh the mom, the la- had, yeah, the last shot the, of the series. The evil woman who was in charge of the over the uh, organization was also Jekyll's mo- like mom, mild mattered mom, and they're and, the same character, which makes none sense whatsoever. Mm. None of the sense because the whole point of that organization was they needed a hide so that they can take their genetic material. But it was being run by a hide this whole time. Just give yeah. him your blood. <laughs> this makes no sense. You wanted him alive. If you wanted mm. him dead, I'd get it because he didn't mm. want to die. You wanted him alive. You're there. Mm. The entire series makes no sense because of that last revelation. And of course, Hyde kills a bunch of people and Hyde dies, but like he takes all of like the damage to his body unto himself and doesn't mm. share it with Jekyll, which is a stupid thing. Uh, how that, how really... that works, I don't know. I get yeah. it's magic, but it makes very little sense. Well, it's just magic at this point. Before yeah. it was like genetics or something biological was happening. But yeah. no, after a while, you realize it's just magic. Yeah. There's a whole bit where uh, when they transform, they emit like kind of a low-level electromagnetic field that blinks out the <laughs> oh lights. God. Which like, I'm kind of cute with. Like, yeah. there's electricity in the human body, and maybe there's more okay, of superpower. But there's a bit where they're like, there's not electricity in the world mm. to bring Jekyll back from you know how far we repressed him. Uh-huh. And there's electricity in this building. And then the building goes ba- goes blackout, and then so does the rest of the city, which is such a Stephen Moffat thing to do. You set this up, you set this up. Aha! You didn't think we were going to make it kind of stupid, did you? <laughs> the big twist is it's dumb. Ah, <laughs> uh, it gets so dumb, which is a shame. Yeah, well, the cast is good. There's some good I, ideas in here. There's some good ideas. Now, this is uh, an hour-long program, and it's a BBC hour, which is longer than an American yeah, hour. Basically um, a full hour. It's almost, yeah, almost a full hour. <clears throat> in America, an hour is 42 minutes. Yeah, because you got to cram as many commercials yeah. in as you can. In, in, in England, they're a little bit more sane. Uh, <laughs> so you actually got a whole, whole hour of TV. A Jekyll and Hyde TV series is kind of a tough thing to pull off, because that's a simple story. Yeah. Once you figure out your Jekyll and Hyde and you've had that one conflict and you've solved it, that's kind of it. There's not yeah, a lot. Once you, once, you get, once you come to yeah. terms with your dual identity, mm. there's nowhere to go. So if you're going to turn it into a series, 
My idea would be probably the dumbest thing ever, which is to turn it into sort of like a, a, a CW weekly series where Jekyll and Hyde solve crimes. That's what I thought they were going to yeah. go, honestly, and, when I first saw this. And, and that's a dumb idea, but it would work. And it there would are be plen- fine. plenty of fun, simple stories you can get out of that in a serialized format. Yeah. Great. They tried to turn it into this big myth arc, and there's not enough myth in Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to do that with. So, so they, they have to start. In as much so as they, they started strong, but they ran out of ideas and they had to start just making shit up. And the stuff they made up was just not interesting. It was well, all these really dumb ideas. And it that has were nothing re- to do with reworking. Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. The thing with Jekyll and Hyde is it's, it's a person at war with their nature, with their inner mm. self, with the part of them they're ashamed of and not proud of. And now it's all about these external forces yeah. that are influencing these evils. And yeah, and just it's just a superhero story, basically. So, yeah, the, the I've theme, seen worse superhero stories, but it's a still a dumb one. The, I, I'd rather watch any any of the Hulk movies. I don't like all those. I don't like the Incredible Hulk. That's that one's. Like Kind Fine, of a, but whatever. I mean, it's it's dumb and schlocky, but it's you know better than this. Yeah, it's way better than this. Yeah. Like, at least the second half. Again, the first half. Watch the first three episodes. The first They're good. Uh, and to their credit, the actors are fine. Mm-hmm. James Nesbitt is great. MVP. This, this is just him getting to do like run the gamut of emotions, playing two different characters, three different characters because he plays Jekyll as well. Uh, yeah, briefly, but yeah. So yeah. he plays three different characters uh, and the clones. This. Those are really briefly. Uh, well, but. supporting. But yeah, I guess he gets to play multiple characters, yeah. and uh, he is equal to the task. Yep. Uh, you can tell just by the way he holds it, like a single shot, like a still shot, you can tell which one it is, and not just because of like effects, mm-hmm. like makeup effects or anything. Just the way he holds himself and the way he presents himself, he does it very well. He can play scary incredibly well. He's yep. a very aggressive actor, so the hide portions are really, really uh, convincing. He also does a really good job of like... When he's Jekyll, he's nice enough, he's likable. Mm. When he's Hyde, he turns on the sex appeal. He knows how much of it is yeah, his confidence the way yeah. you carry yourself. He's a sexy Hyde. He, when he is when a sexy Hyde. Like, he, he makes it work. And, and I not look a conventionally at, attractive leading yeah, well, man, I, I, but he I, works. I wouldn't look at, at James Nesbitt and say, I want to get in there. But he he does have a lot of sex appeal. He's a, a confident, great actor. And yeah. I want I, he's done a lot of stage work. He's just constantly working. He's in a lot of films. Mm-hmm. Uh I want to get more of his his work. Yeah, I'd love to see him play Iago. Uh, you know, just something like really Shakespearean and meaty. Be cool. um, and watching him act is exhilarating. It's just a pity that the screenplays took such a plunge so quickly. Like it started really strong. Yeah. Um, I did like the idea of this man in the modern world trying to deal with his Jekyll and Hyde powers and also have a family. Yeah. But his... Having a secret identity from himself. Yeah, secret identity from himself. It it could be just sort of a good drama dealing with just that. And it got just so contrived so fast with these government conspiracies and weird genetic manipulations and and ascendancy and the idea that Dr. Henry Jekyll was a real person. These are all bad ideas. And then when you get down to like, okay, so Potion didn't create Dr. Jekyll. What did? Women. <laughs> turns out women turns out he was perfectly fine until he met a woman and then she made him evil and less powerful and yet more powerful and more destructive and I'm like what the fuck is that I don't know who hurt you Stephen Moffat but dude go to therapy and then bring come back to quote to quote say anything bitches man <laughs> 
We're not advocating that, but it is a no, it's, it's a fu- it's a funny the, line. The point is, it's it. an immature thing to say. Well, it's an immature thing to say, and it didn't say anything. It's like the ten year old who says it. Exactly. Like they're going down. It's like she broke my heart, man. That was terrible. Yeah, I had these terrible dealing with with your girlfriend is always so tough, and romance is difficult. Right. And they finally pan down the line. They're passing down a bottle of booze. They get to like a ten year old boy take a swig from the booze and just says, "Bitches, man." Right. Which is actually a really great visual dynamic because the older you get, the more mature you are about yeah. these things. And as they go down, it's like the younger and younger yeah. they're getting. And, and then the, after, the and then after that little kid, we get Stephen Moffat literally turned me into a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, that takes Stephen! Takes a swig from the horrible booze. <sighs> There's good ideas here, and I'm glad. You know, Sherlock has problems as well, uh-huh. including problems with women. But um, it's a way better series than this. Mm. I don't know how much of that is Mark Gaddis. I mean, there's some bad fucking episodes. There's one episode where it's like, and the women's suffrage movement was all full of murderers. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> do, we, do we have to vilify the women's suffrage yeah, movement? what are we doing with this shit? Like, but overall, it's a better, more cohesive, mm-hmm. more thought out show. Yeah, it, it feels like they changed. I know they didn't. It was the same teleplay writer throughout the whole thing. But it does feel like they changed showrunners yeah, partway through. Like just they stops on a dime. Like, like like they had these three pretty solid episodes that were really self-contained and kind of intimate. And yeah. Jekyll and Hyde is an intimate story. Again, we, we've said this numerous times now. It's about dealing with your own inner inner demons. It's a personal journey. It's mm-hmm. it's very very intimate. And when you turn it outward. And you know, all of a sudden, rather than deal with those inner demons and deal with something a little bit more philosophical, they turned it into this big, stupid sci-fi conspiracy plot. Yeah. Um, if Jekyll had lasted 100 episodes, it wouldn't have. It's the BBC. The BBC equivalent of 100 episodes is like 20. Maybe. So if, it lasted, <laughs> if you're not Doctor Who, it's like 20 episodes. If it had lasted 20 episodes, because this is a full season, it's only six episodes. Yeah. The BBC are sane. Yes. <laughs> they know. Like this, and they, even then, even here, they were padding it. They, but they, like, don't, they don't milk something for 10 bloody seasons. There's a, the idea that they introduce in Jekyll, and they airball it because they make it thematic, and it's mm. like, oh, everyone with a disability is evil. Fuck you. Mm. But the idea that Hyde had a whole bunch of illegitimate children and that there may be other people, mm. just like Dr. Jackman, who are wrestling with the same thing, an alternate version of themselves that is all id and all violence. Yeah. That's the premise of your show. It's mm. him finding that out and tracking down other Jekyll and Hyde. And, yeah, and help, they're all helping in, them out and they all have their own personal yeah, drama. Some of them are some of them are or dealing with the serial killer aspects. Some yeah. of them are fine, but they're just more dangerous and maybe they need to be there's talked some, down. Somebody and, saw they had an evil side, so they entered the clergy to put a tamper on that. So there's an evil priest out there. That's it's, your episodic Hyde series. Exactly. That's a good mm. idea. And after a hundred years, there would be people all over the world in different circumstances. Mm. It would make sense. And that's what I think they would need to do mm. in a second season. They wrote a second season. BBC Ooh. didn't go for it. Probably because they realized the first season was dumb. And, and if, if they're going in the direction they are, knowing Stephen Moffat's work via Doctor Who the way I do, yeah. it would have yeah, would have played on the same kinds of things. It would have been the big sci-fi plot, like conspiracy uh-huh. plots. There would have been some other evil external entity. Maybe they would have even started getting space aliens involved. Who knows how dumb it would have gone. They probably would have incorporated, uh, you know, I, I bet they would have done eventually is they would have incorporated some other like public domain horror story. Oh, like oh, Dracula! And is by a real the way, thing. there's a yeah. Dracula. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, it would have yeah. been Dracula. Honestly, I would have been fine with that too. Like, well, go nuts! If you, I would rather you go nuts if you're going to go the literary books are real route. Okay. Because again, we've done *Leave Victoria and Gentlemen*. The movie sucked, but the idea was sound. Mm-hmm. Like, what if they all existed in the same universe? Actually, there's not a lot that precludes that. And it turns out Lady Capulet was Lady Macbeth as well. 
like, I don't buy that one, but maybe. It's a bit of a stretch. That, that was uh, an actual plot point and still starstruck. Okay, it wasn't... Oh, you're right. It was a different Lady Capulet, though. Pardon? It was like Lady Capulet's, like, the sister Capulet. No, it was Lady Capulet. It was the real Lady Capulet from Romeo and Juliet, and it turns out she had done some time abroad... I thought it was in her sister. In Scotland. I thought it was her sister. Oh, may, the point is, Romeo and Juliet and Macbeth take place in the same universe. I, which I'm fine with. <laughs> a lot of Shakespeare's plays are based on actual history. <laughs> Shut if you up. Think about Shut it, up. Stop every, making excuses. Every movie that's based on a true story takes place in a shared universe. That's true. Yeah, Shut so up. Amadeus, Stop same it. universe as Ed Wood. <laughs> the, 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 all the, the president's uh, men. The Amadeus, Ed Wood cinematic universe. All, all the president's men. Uh, Same cinematic universe as the right stuff. Imagine if they had met. There'd be a crossover. <laughs> Could you imagine a crossover universe where Ed Wood met Bela Lugosi? Oh, wait a minute. That's just real life. <laughs> real that's life just what happened. Um, was Jekyll canceled too soon? Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard mm. to say because I didn't like it. I didn't like the second half. I didn't like the direction it went. I didn't like the way it ended up. I didn't like the big twist at the end where mom was a Jekyll and Hyde. So silly. I, I, like, and I, it ends on a freeze frame of her going, rawr, yeah, like, yeah, right with, with, the the, with the lion teeth. And, uh, but here's the thing. I like the production value. I like James Nesbitt a lot. Yeah. Uh, I liked the, uh, Claire Jackman a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, Yeah. Just the character. There was a great scene that we didn't talk about where uh, Hyde emerges from the Hyde pod and says, ah, you're, I'm going, I'm killed. I'm going to get you. And she just sort of slaps and says, you're my husband. No, you're married to Jackman. No, it's you. Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Then I apologize, honey. (laughs) Sorry, dear. (laughs) She actually humbles him a little bit. I liked that. If it wasn't for the clone thing, she'd be a very strong character overall. uh, Yeah. Well, the the clone thing is dumb, but you know, and I totally misinterpreted that. I thought they were talking about how, the head of all this evil organization was a clone, and that made sense because that was just sort of dumb. Yeah, no, no, no. Played no. into the whole conspiracy. No, the wife was the clone. Oh, God, gosh. that's stupid. I right? thought it was just a coincidence that it was played by the same actress. No. That's even stupider. It is. <laughs> I missed something even stupider. I know. I I liked mm. this show when I first saw it mm. like 12 years ago. Uh-huh. I was, I'm, not saying, I'm just going to admit it right now. I was high a lot in the late 2000s. <laughs> I oh didn't my, have a lot of drive. Oh man, this is like Shakespeare. No, I didn't have a lot of drive. Oh, like yeah. I was, there was a couple of years where I was just like really depressed and didn't mm-hmm. know. Not that I'm equating marijuana with depression, but it's how I dealt with it. Oh. And I watched, I binge watched a lot of TV, and I watched Jekyll, and I was like, "This is pretty clever, man." I didn't see where that's coming, and I didn't really didn't think it through very much <laughs> because, because you're high. <laughs> this is why you need to rewatch things sporadically, like if you especially, like, especially when you're sober. You can't. It's, it's difficult to recommend something you saw ten years ago. Because you're different now. Yeah, yeah. You have different standards now. You're a different person. You might not recommend it the way you used to. So you got if you keep talking about things, you do have to revisit it once in a while. The, the, I, I loved shit as a child. Sure. So yeah. Some of it some of it held up. Some of it's shit. Yeah. I I saw someone had was was expressing frustration on Twitter recently about how film discourse uh, has sort of been taken over by a bunch of bros who are trying to say that everything they loved when they were 12 years old is the apex of cinema. I retreated that, that, yeah. Yeah, and oh, you saw it too then. And yeah, yeah, so, yeah, Somebody else, uh, 
trying to sell older films is seen as sort of a snob. Uh-huh. Like, like I think I think someone who is a film critic should if not and you don't have to see everything, it's impossible to, but you should be open to seeing everything and you should be trying to and, and be as well versed in the medium as possible. At least have something approaching a working knowledge, even if you're not intimately familiar with it, mm-hmm. even if you haven't seen it, at least know what it is. To which I got a lot of people mm-hmm. saying that's gatekeeping. I think that's just qualification for a job. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> like on some level. Uh, Everyone should be a critic. Well, if you're going to be a critic, you should be at least reasonably educated. I that's wanna... not me gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, I think it was Sean Burns All right. uh, who, uh, who tweeted. Uh, so basically, people in my profession are getting rich by explaining that whatever you liked when you were 12 years old mm. is the apex of American artistic achievement. And anyone who argues that, otherwise yeah. is a fraud pretending to like worthless old shit. I, I uh, OK, this is a tangent. But this notion that if you dislike something, you're being inauthentic is a big part of the modern discourse, and I hate that. Because people have their egos wrapped up in what they like. People have their e- in, in, and only what they like, and this idea that if you hate something, you're called a hater. Yeah. You're, you're virtue signaling, and in actuality, you love that thing, but you're only Or pretend- you would, if you could you're, be honest with yourself. Or, yeah, or, yeah, if you're honest yourself, you would love it, and you're only pretending to not like something in order to get negative attention. The, the the idea that you cannot the, we're living in an era that you cannot dislike anything that nothing is worthy of your scorn mm-hmm. I, or or but what they really mean is only the things they dislike because well you, yeah of course only then the I give a, they dislike, then I give a but... mildly passing grade to the straight to video sequel to Doom mm. someone told me to kill myself over that someone it's... found my email emailed me and over, told me to kill Doom. myself personal email oh my God. told me to kill myself because I thought Doom was okay. The Doom Annihilation. Doom Annihilation was like okay. it was like as a straight to video movie, it was fine. Yeah, grading on a curve here. Yeah, yeah, it was a massive curve. Mm. It was like it had low ambitions and it hit them. <laughs> I'm not going to give it four stars, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah I was told. To, so that's the thing. They didn't want me to love that. Mm. It's all a matter. Of, and I think that's the thing. There's a lot of projection here mm. where we feel like we have to praise certain things and we have to denigrate other things and really. We're all should just be saying what we like and dislike, and that should be well, fine. I hate when people say I hate fine. everything, and then I look at my Rotten Tomatoes thing, and I'm and like, it's, like, it's you, about half and half. <laughs> yeah. I look at my yeah. Rotten Tomato page. Actually, it's I, about I, half and I, half. I agree with the tomato meter pretty frequently. It's, it's, uh, there's like a number, I think it's like 65% of the time. Yeah, that's, that's I, okay. think, I think I'm, I always says, oh, you're, I'm, I'm such a grump, but you look at my Rotten Tomato score, it's like 78%. I'm on board with Rotten Tomatoes. So I, when I was reviewing uh, movies more often for IGN, someone mm. said, you know, you always give movies like a low grade. So I went, I'd only reviewed like 30 movies for IGN. So I was like, okay, I'm actually curious about this. And I averaged them. Mm. And the average score I gave was somewhere around a six. And I'm like, that should be that's, average. That's average. Yeah. That's literally average. In fact, that's a little above average. 60, so, per, 60% on Rotten Tomatoes is considered fresh. That's the lowest fresh score. I'm pretty um, kind, I mm, think. But anyway. But uh, what I was Because com- we're talking about the time of the yeah. movies you want me to yeah, like. What, what I'm like. complaining about, though, is that just we're, we're sort of infected with positivity in, in this weird sort of way, which is leading to a lot of negativity. Yeah, and that if you are not wholly positive about anything, like Martin Scorsese's, he didn't even say that the movies were bad, but he well, saw called we, the Avengers series theme park rides, which is an accurate description. That we can handle. The thing uh, that the semantics argument he got into was he said they're not cinema, mm. which is well, uh, which him, is a weird thing to say. To, to, to him, cinema represents something different, and I understand why he would say that. That's and, just a semantics anybody, argument. It's That's just a semantics That's argument. Just semantics. But 
everyone got up in arms because he, Martin Scorsese, is not 100% positive on the most popular series of movies ever. Yeah. And I feel like after seeing all of these think pieces about, hey, you remember that really crappy classic you remember from 20 years ago? Turns out it's okay. Remember this other crappy thing? Turns out that's okay, too. We're rescuing everything. And I, I, I hate to sound like Bill Maher, but it's okay to hate stuff. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you have a reason. Yeah, I mean, if, if you understand, but it's, I think it's okay to hate something and continue to hate it and revisit it occasionally and still dislike the bad things about it and have it remain an object of your own personal scorn. I think there's this weird thing where people are mad mm-hmm. at intellectualism. That's that's the thing. And I think that yeah. has only gotten more pervasive as a certain someone has been in the White House. Yeah. But it's been perpetuated for a while now. Mm. And we've seen it especially from like stuff like Fox News. Mm. We're like, oh, you're qualified? Fucking snob. Yeah. Like, no. Like, you actually just know what they're talking you're about. You're educated? Yeah. And it's like, oh, so you disagree with me because you actually have facts and you know uh-huh. what we're talking about. That just makes you an elitist. Maybe in the good way, yeah. Maybe mm. in the way that they actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's not gatekeeping. That's just they know what they're talking about, and maybe we should at least give them some the credit to listen, mm-hmm. even if we disagree. Like, there's this the idea that film critics are like living in ivory towers and sucking on caviar. Mm-hmm. We are so poor. I, I wish we had that kind of money. The negative attention you think we crave is the absolute bane of our existence Mm. it makes it really hard to keep doing what we're doing i would love it if every time i like something people were like yeah that's great and every time i disagreed with someone people will be like you have an interesting point but i disagree i would love that if we lived in a sane i don't want i don't want people to hate me for what i'm talking about i'm just trying to share based on decades Mm. of research i've been trying to do into this art form my opinion we're we're on a broad tangent from Jekyll. Uh, but like regardless, it's just like but Jekyll is kind of the same thing. It's mm. this fandom thing. It's this weird entity that sort of emerged from this weird culture of mm. like turning intellectual things into weird fandom things. Yeah, and that's what Jekyll tried to do. And on a surface level, it might seem smart, but actually, it's really dumb, and that's a shame. Yeah, and I feel bad because I was really excited about this one. And I was like, <laughs> "We can talk about Jekyll. I really like this one, you guys." And that's the reason why we rewatched them <laughs> because, because this one does Je- not hold Jekyll up. Jekyll has well. a lot of bad ideas. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think if they had pushed the crazy a little further, had made it even more lurid, that would have been an entertaining show in season two. Yeah. Um, or if they had scaled it back and tried to make it a lot more idea driven, but that's not the way shows work. Generally, they, not. They, they don't they don't scale back ever. They only ever ramp up, and uh, mm. it's it, it's kind of a pity because I, I can't say if it was canceled too soon. Uh, it was definitely not canceled too soon, based on what I saw. But I, my imagination is imagining. Uh, my imagination is imagining <laughs> <laughs> a, a series that really did go completely for broke ran with the stupid stuff and made it much more entertaining. So if you had to pick, um, is it canceled too soon or not canceled? You got to pick one. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say no. It was not canceled too soon. It was not canceled too yeah, soon. I, I, I yeah. don't have quite enough faith in the showrunners to, to do what I wanted. <laughs> There's been talk of rebooting this, like this version of it. Okay, bring James Nesbitt back. Uh, no, actually, do an American version starring Chris Evans. 
Oh, God. Which is an odd choice. Um, Chris Evans is Jekyll, but get a different actor to play Hyde. Maybe. I, I, I get it because you want to subvert his like wholesome image, but mm. I just don't think he's the actor for it. He's ha- I'd be happy if he proved me wrong. I like yeah. him fine. I've never seen a truly amazing performance out of him, right. like like the, Lawrence that, Olivier level performance. The, the movie, good. the movie Puncture was maybe his best performance, and even that wasn't great. I really um, didn't yeah. ask him to stretch very hard. Right. It was just him being a shyster lawyer. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he, he's just sort of. People are going to hate me for this. I feel like he's just sort of sleepwalking through those Captain America movies. He just—he's just, uh, just lately. We, we like him just because he's cute. No, he's—he's—he's he's, he's got charm, and I like him mm. a lot. But, uh, but he's—he's he charming. He's cute, but he doesn't need to be playing that role to get those he, things. He's not just a lot sort of a charming, cute of him guy. As an actor in a long yeah, time. Yeah. Um, in any case, people have been trying to reboot it as recently as like two years ago. We'll see if that ever comes together. I'd be happy to see a reboot. Maybe if they can just sort of smooth out the edges and yeah. undumb it. But this was not canceled yeah. too soon. And they I'm, tried. Um, it was popular enough. It has a bit of a cult. Good for them. Mm-hmm. I'm glad James Nesbitt had an audience out of it. It's a shame Michelle Ryan didn't get bigger out of it. She's way too good well, I mean, she, for the stuff she's been in. Bionic Woman was... Around the same time. Around, yeah, around the same time as this. So Mid-2000s. She, so she's getting work, and you know she led, led a science fiction show that was based on an IP and was starring opposite Miguel Ferrer. That was I, a good shot for I her. I feel like she should have significant yeah. roles in things, and sadly yeah. oh, she just yeah. doesn't right now. Um, she's been in other TV stuff since, but I feel mm-hmm. like she should be even bigger than she is. Um, yeah, it's mm. just... Started off great, got so stupid, I don't see how we get back from it. <laughs> they, I just don't they, see how we get back yeah, from it. I really they, don't. They, they, they kind of themselves. You, it's, like, it's like if halfway through Heroes Season 1, you did Heroes Season 2. Because the first season uh, of Heroes was really rock solid. A little, mm. little derivative, but very, very um, well done. What well, wasn't a huge fan, but yeah. yeah I, no, but it did, it did a good job. Mm. And it was encouraging and it made you want to see more. And then you got like one episode into Season 2 and you're like, and you're out of ideas already. And <laughs> we can just sort of wash our hands of the whole thing. But they did it all in one season. Mm. It was weird. Um, anyway, that's canceled too soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for being patient with us. Uh, we will be back next week with our review of Tremors the series. Yay! Uh, to clarify, this is not the pilot episode that they did recently with Kevin Bacon. They tried to do a, Tremor, a new Tremors series that would be in canon with the movies, uh, and it would forget all the other sequels, apparently. Which is a pity because Burt Gummer is such a great character. But, yeah, the other the, the movies have been continuing in that continuity this whole time, uh, but they did it. I actually heard it was quite good, but to the best of my knowledge, no one I know has access to it. I haven't been able to track it down. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people forgot that in the early two thousands there was a sci fi original series based on Tremors that all took place in that small desert town mm-hmm. where they have their own profession pet, Nevada, where yeah. they have their own pet graboid that's a tourist trade, and apparently a bunch of like. Other weird sci-fi stuff happens. I saw one episode when it was on. I, I as well, and I seem to recall there was like a dimensional portal or something. Neat. Nah. I'm fine with it. Go nuts. I don't care. <laughs> so there's, we're going to be doing Tremors, the original series, uh, next week yeah. on Cancel Too Soon for Ghastly Tuba! <laughs> I have a bit of a cold. <laughs> well, the, the Crypt Keeper doesn't scream. He has a screamy laugh, No, right? I'm, I'm doing it my way. But, this okay. is if I played the crypt. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not copying John Cassier. Cassier. Yeah. No one who could. Yeah, if John, I did. If I did the crypt keeper, he would be a little bit more manic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just he'd be a little more proud. The, of the actual crypt keeper is kind of raspy. Like tonight's nasty nugget. Like he's he's uh, a little bit squeakier and no, has I'm, a dry throat because he's a corpse. I'm his. Uh, I, I'm like his cousin. Ah. 
Yeah, the Vault Keeper. I've I've seen plenty of interviews with John Cassier about the Crypt Keeper because it's it's really his most famous role. Yeah, it is. That and Buster Bunny, and oh, uh, yeah. he took over for Charlie Adler when Charlie Adler stormed off the set. <laughs> uh, interesting story about Charlie Adler and Tiny Toon Adventures and his relationship to Animaniacs. Look it up sometime. Okay, but uh, yeah, he took over as Buster Bunny. But he said that the idea for the Crypt Keeper was the Crypt Keeper didn't have teeth. And that's where he started his voice. Okay. He didn't have teeth and he was dead. So it was like his neck was really thin. So he tried to like strict, strict up his vocal cords and speak as if he was like kind of wisping a little bit. And then the laugh just came later. I dig it. Mm. That's cool. Um, anyway, so yeah, next week, Tremors. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to email us, we have a new letters show here mm. at the Cancel to, uh, Critically Claimed Network. Uh, it's called We've Got Mail. Because we get mail, and we want to read it and listen to it, and we can talk about Cancel Too Soon or Critically Acclaimed. Uh, the email address has changed from the old Cancel Too Soon address. We still have that one. Yeah. So if you email us at the old address, we'll get we'll, it. We'll still see it. Yeah. But we're trying to consolidate, so the new email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Mm. Um, we have other shows as well. We have uh, the Two Shot over the Snow Snow Network. We're doing Candyman this week. Uh, we got Critically Acclaimed coming up in a few days with some really good movies we're reviewing this week. <laughs> some cool stuff. Um, and uh, of course we want to give a very special shout out to all of our Patreon subscribers mm. patreon.com slash critic acclaim uh, for different fee structures every month you get a ton of exclusive content including uh, TV movies and miniseries review podcasts um, Oscar nominated best picture review podcast every Star Trek episode ever podcast commentary tracks Google Hangouts Whitney's got a radio show. It's a whole thing. <laughs> we got all kinds of audio content. Your ears are going to be so busy. Yeah, we're just going to live in your brain now. <laughs> it's, to, it's cozy in here. It's a little waxy, but we can do something about that. <laughs> waxy? Yeah, you're wax. Oh, you're okay. What is that weird? Uh, I, you you know, said living in your brain, so I was wondering uh, where you got waxy brains. Well, you know, from. in there. To get in there, mm-hmm. you got to go through the air. Your brains are not waxy, listeners. Your not brains are, are, are wonderfully robust and great. And delicious. And uh, <laughs> um, seriously, though, thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you have a really wonderful uh, week, day, Halloween season, whatever your festive occasion is. Um, and that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Music.